let Jesus pray as the angels when they sign. Can't believe I'm out here on the front porch in the swing. Well, I hadn't heard that in a long time. Just the swinging. Man, you totally brought it back, babe. Little Charlotte. Little Charlotte. Like I was saying, we've been covering all types of arts, and uh, today I'm going to talk about the art of uh, gardening or the art of planting. You could call it horticulture, or you could call it whatever you want to call it, but it's the concept of growing or growing things. And we all know people that are really good at this. Everybody's got somebody in their, uh, in their neighborhood who's got the really nice yard. I mean, I'll think about it right now. And they usually make you look bad, right? Because... Like we have a we have a guy like just just built maybe a year ago. Uh, his name's Robert, and he has the most beautiful yard and the most pretty flowers. He's got that that gift. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? It's called what? He's got that green thumb. Have you drive by? And every time we pass by, just just about every time, my wife just she looks out her window at his yard as she's driving, and she says, "His yard so pretty. I wish our yard looked like that." Yes, you do, don't lie. And then, and then she looks over, and then I'm like, and then I usually have a response of like, well, honey, they sell every one of those plants at Lowe's. You get in your little car and drive your little butt up there at Lowe's, and I've got three shovels you can use, and you can make our yard as pretty as you want to make it. So sure enough, another two or three days drive by, and she says, Robert's yard looks so nice. I say, well, honey, I'm sure Mr. Robert lets you go sit in his front yard, and you can look. At his plants, all you want. But I've already planted my plants, and I like to plant plants that I don't have to plant every year. I like to plant them one time, and I like to plant plants that will survive a nuclear holocaust. <laughs> I plant plants that you can't kill. They don't require any maintenance. They don't require water. You don't have to do anything to them. They're nuclear plants. And you plant them, you're once, and you're done. And one of them is the knockout rose. And I could preach for the next 30 minutes on these, but this is not all in my message. But you notice all the way around the church, they're once and done, baby. They always got lots of blooms. I don't have to fool with them. Can I get an amen? So these little pansies and all that junk, you can have them. I don't have that gift, right? I had a grandmother had to give. My mother-in-law was very, she's very good at all this stuff. She's always trying to give me plants, and then we kill them. And, uh, and we have to hide the evidence. Uh, but I had a grandmother that she could just grow anything, and she could do clippings. And my grandparents, uh, we always, they always had gardens. And uh, we grew up, I grew up having to go to the garden. How many y'all know most kids don't know anything about this th these days? I'm starting to sound like my dad. Uh, it's weird how that happens. You turn into your parents. But I remember being like 8, 9, 10, 11. Every summer, my dad would bring us. You would go to farms, and you would pay them to pick their groceries. How dumb is that? So we would, pay, we would go up there, and my dad would say, all right, well, here's $20 or something. And then us kids, we would go out there and pick uh, bushels of peas, purple whole peas. How many of y'all can I get a witness? Anybody know anything about purple whole peas? Some people call them black-eyed peas. Not the same thing. Not the same thing. And we picked butter beans. Non-country people call them limas. They're not limas. They're butter beans. And they require mayonnaise if you want to be really good. And just saying, y'all, listen. I'll have to listen. I'll have to bring you. You're on the dark side. And if you'll listen to me, I'll bring you over. I'll bring you over to the good side. 
So I remember I grew up going to these farms, and we would have to pick these things, and this was done during the summer. And then we would sit under the carport, and we would shell peas, and we would cut green beans, and we would cut corn off of the cob. And my dad would cut the corn, and then I would scrape the corn. And how many of you know there's nothing better than this type of food right here? This is, this is manna. I mean, you're, this, is, this is it. This is what promised land people eat. Uh, if you're a Christian, this is what you should be partaking of. So, but I remember going to, these, going to these gardens. I remember as a kid thinking, I will never in my life, this is what grocery stores are for. <laughs> we have been redeemed from the curse of the law. The Bible tells me that. And this is a curse. But I remember the first thing, the first thing whenever we bought our first house, what did I put in? I turned into my daddy. I, bought, I got overalls, and I went out there. And I, because, you know, you have to wear overalls or they don't grow as good. So, yeah, I put on overalls. And got out there and I made a garden. But I discovered again what I've always known my whole life. I don't have the gift. I, 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 don't, I don't have that, that, that green thumb thing that some people have. And uh, the reason I want to go, go over this is because there's a principle or there's a law of the kingdom here that, that, that affects every facet of your life. And if you don't get this, this art right then you won't understand anything about God. So I want to look at what, what the Bible calls seed time and harvest. It calls it sowing and reaping. It calls it uh, planting and, and bringing in the harvest or bringing in the sheaves. And this is something that, that this gardening thing that God had started way back in the blank of Eden. What's it called? The Garden of Eden. That the, God's original design, which is really fascinating, all the way back in the garden, God made, he, he formed and fashioned Adam. He breathed his life into him. And then he made Eve, of course. And then Adam looks over and he says, hey, how you doing? And, uh, and, and then he takes this couple and he puts them in the garden. And he tells them very, something, something very specific. He says, be fruitful, multiply, take dominion. And the creator of everything created humans, and then with them, he said, Adam, you have seed. Your wife has a womb, and now you're going to co-create the rest of the human race with me. Isn't that fascinating? Why didn't God just make everybody? He didn't do that. And he told Adam, he said, in Genesis chapter 1, you can put that up there. He says, I've given you every seed and herb-bearing plant. And he says, I want you to grow or expand my garden. I want you to expand my kingdom. I want you to populate the earth. And the way that I want you to do it is with seeds. He says, you and your wife, you're going to come together and you're going to co-create my kids. What a crazy responsibility that we've lost in 2016 in a lot of ways. But, and he says, not only that, he says, you're going to expand my kingdom by taking seeds. You're going to plant them. And, and the garden is going to grow. It's going to expand. And, of course, we know the story. Everything got all messed up, right? Adam and Eve sinned. God flooded the earth. And now you have Noah, Genesis chapter 8. Noah's been on the boat now for over 200 days. The waters are seated. He, he docks the boat. And the first thing Noah does is the same thing that David did. He got off the boat. He found some wood. He took an animal. And as, as the leader of his home, he led the human race, first act as a human race, the new human race. And as the leader of his home, he built an offer, and he offered, he worshipped the Lord. And the first thing, this is fascinating, the first thing God tells him after he does this, God speaks. 
You know, God speaks when we worship. If, you, if you'll talk to him, he'll talk back, I promise you. If you'll yield to him, you lean into him, he's always broadcasting. You just got to get on the right channel. Genesis, Genesis chapter 8, verse 20, it says, Noah built an altar to the Lord. He took every clean animal, every clean bird. He offered burnt altars on the altar, and the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. It affected God just like it did with David. And it says, And then the Lord said in his heart, this is the Lord said in his heart. He didn't say it out loud. He says, I'll never again curse the ground. Everybody say ground. Really interesting. What's the ground do? It holds seeds. He says, I'll never curse the ground again because of man's sake. Although the imagination of every man's heart is evil from his youth. Nor again will I ever destroy living things as I've done. Verse number 22. The first thing he tells Noah, he says, he says while the earth remains, seed time and harvest. And then he goes on. He says, cold and heat, day and night. And we could teach all messages on the metaphorically, you know, all these types of things. But the first thing he tells him, he says, as long as there's a planet, as long as there's an earth, the same instructions I gave Adam is the same instructions I could give you. The ways of the kingdom and the way that my kingdom works and the way that this uh, earth works, as long as there's an earth, he says, there'll be seed time and harvest. And then it ends with that verse. He says, he says, Day and night, he says, it shall not cease. So we've got the patriarch Adam talking about being given these instructions. Now God tells Noah this, and now we're going to fast forward to Jesus because this is something that Jesus reiterated over and over and over again. He kept bringing up the seed. And he kept bringing up the investment, the planting, the harvesting, of seeds. In fact, Jesus went so far, he says, if you don't understand this, you'll understand nothing about the kingdom of God. And how many of y'all know that's why we're here, right? I mean, we come to church every Sunday because we want to learn about the kingdom of God and, and we want to, to grow in the kingdom of God. And yet Jesus said, he says, you'll have to understand this law. And the reason it's a law is because it affects everybody. How many of y'all are familiar with the law of gravity? How many of y'all know it affects everybody? How many of y'all know it's not just for white people, right? And it doesn't just work in Africa, right? And it's not just for people in the 1800s. It doesn't work now. No, it's a law that affects if you're on this planet, you're going to learn about it sooner or later, right? Or you're going to throw the ball up and it's going to hit you in the face, right? So the gravity is a law, and that's what this is. He says there is this seed time and harvest. There is this planting. And Jesus said if you don't understand this concept of this principle, then everything else about God is going to go over your head. So I want to look at this parable, and this is in uh, uh, Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, if you, if you got it, they'll put it up behind me if you don't have it. I'm going to read some of it in the NIV first, and then I'll kick over to the Amplified. Mark chapter 4. Jesus just gets on, he's just gets, he's, he's in a boat. And he has to be in a boat because there's so many people. There's a multitude of people there. Christian, I need you to put that clock up so I can see what time it is, that green clock. Uh, there's a multitude of people there. Jesus has to get in a boat. He pushes off from the shore and he begins to teach the people. He begins to, uh, to, 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 to minister to them or he's trying to convey to them how the kingdom of God works. I mean, I know sometimes these things go over our head. I mean, I know even in church, sometimes you're just like, I didn't quite get it. Well, he, 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 
he, he's endeavoring to do that, and, he, and so he speaks in parables, and a parable is just a story. He tells a story. He says, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it. Some seed fell on rocky places where it didn't have much soil, and it sprang up quickly, but because the soil was shallow, when the sun came up, the plants were scorched. And they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. But still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, it grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, and some 100-fold. Jesus gives a story of one farmer planting identical seeds and yet getting four different results. And after he gets done explaining this, the crowd goes away. But what I want you to see is the very first word, put, put the very first word where I just read, that's going to be uh, the first one. It says, listen. What's that little, that little thing called after the word listen? It's called an exclamation point, right? How many of y'all remember that? Second grade. So Jesus here, as he's teaching, he starts to preach on his toes a little bit. In other words, sometimes we see Jesus as being like, gather around, gather around, cheerio, gather around, gather around. But really, that's not our king, right? I mean, he's trying to convey to them, this is how the kingdom of God works. So he's hollering, listen! Gotcha, Kaya. He's in a boat, right? I mean, he's, I mean this is, he's, he's passionate here. He, he's not... This is, he's not mealy-mouthing here, right? He's not here just so they can, they can cross something off their to-do list. No, he's having church, right? And he's trying. He's saying, you need to pay attention. You need, you need to get this because if you don't get this, nothing else matters. You'll miss the whole kingdom. You'll miss everything about the kingdom of God if you don't get this. And he says, so, so he, he's fired up about it. And then watch this. He drops down and he says, verse number 9, he says, he who has ears, let him what? Here, he's, he's fired up now. So don't think that Jesus is, is not fired up. He's fired up about this. And when, but watch this, he says, when he was alone, the 12 and others, I love that, they came around him. In other words, the multitude went home. But there were some people that said, I'm not going home. Because I realized there was something in his voice that said, I need to get this. I have to grasp this, right? And in churches, you're here, you're not at Prien Lake right now on a ski bob. You know what a ski bob is? You know what a ski bob is? It's an inner tube. So there's lots of people doing lots of other stuff, and God bless them, they're all them, but you're here. And you're here, why? Well, because you want to know what, 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 how, how the kingdom of God works. That's why you're here. You're here when other people say, well, maybe, maybe not. But, but here, so, so these people, they get close to him and watch Jesus. So You've got to love him. He says, when he was alone, certain things you get from Jesus, you just can't get from him unless you're alone with him. They got alone. They got around him. And they asked him about this parable. And he told him, he said, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. Who? The people that didn't go home. People that pushed in, the people that wanted to know. He says, the whole kingdom of God is about to be revealed to you. And he says, but to those on the outside, everything has to be said in parables. So that they may see, but they never perceive. And he just, he says, they hear, but they don't understand. 
Otherwise, they might turn and they would be forgiven. Now, verse 13, he's going to explain the parable, and this is what we're going to look at this morning. So he said to them, verse number 13, I'm going to read it in Amplified now. It says, he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How will you understand the grasp or the meaning of all parables? He says, if you don't understand this, you're going to miss all of them. He says, the sower is the person that sows the word of God. He sows the good news regarding the way of salvation. And these in the first group, they're the ones along the road where the, where the word is sown. But when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word which has sown been sown to them. And all of us have experienced this. All of us have sit there and there's been a moment to where it's like, if you need to get born again, you need to get saved. And the word of God is coming. It's coming to the soil of your heart. But in your mind, there's something trying to steal that, right? Don't do it now. You can do it later. Got to get your life right. You're too messed up. Won't work for you. Da, 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 da. And, 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 and he, says, he says that word is trying to penetrate your heart. Because once it gets in your heart, once his way gets in your heart, there's fruit. Once, once his plan gets in your heart, there's fruit. Once his purpose gets planted in your heart, there's results. But there's always something trying to steal that plan, steal that way, steal that word. And he says instead of it getting on the inside, it stays on the wayside. And whenever it's on the wayside, then he calls it Satan, right? He says, we're not talking birds here. We're telling you, I'm telling you, Satan is trying to keep you from getting this word because it, it, it's what frees you. So then he says, in a similar way, the second group are the ones who the seed was sown on rocky ground. Who, when they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy. But they accept it only superficially. And they have no real root in them. So they endure only for a little while. And then when trouble and persecution comes because of the world, immediately they are offended and they are displeased at being associated with me and they fall away. He says there's another group of people and the seed, my plan, it lands on their heart, but there's only about this much topsoil. So they never mature in Christ. They never go on with me. And because they don't have root, when things get hot, how many of y'all know sometimes it gets hot serving the Lord? It does. I mean, and we've all, some of many of us have been through this, and we all know people that they, they, they at first, they pursue Jesus real enthusiastically, he says. But then when things got tough, or things got hot, or things weren't easy anymore, then he says, then they fall away. They got offended. The third group, he says, are the ones whom the seed was sown among thorns. These are the ones who heard the word. But the worries and the cares of this world, the distractions of this age with its worldly pleasures, the deceitfulness and the false security or glamour of wealth and fame, the passionate desires for all other things, it creeps in and it chokes the word and it becomes unfruitful. We can all relate to that, right? We can all relate. I won't take a lot of time there. Last verse he said, but there is people in the last group they're the ones on whom the seed was sown on good soil. They hear the word of God, the good news regarding the way. I say way. What God's trying to plant in your life is his way, his plan, his purpose. And he says, if, if you'll do that, if you'll allow that, he says, he says, this group, they received, he says, they accept it, they bear fruit, 30, 60, 
and a hundred times as much as it was sown. Really interesting here because he says, if you understand this, you can understand the whole kingdom of God. He says, the kingdom of God is all about seeds from Genesis to Noah. And now Jesus is trying to get over to us. He says, listen, there's always this planting. And he says, I'm always trying to plant my purpose in your heart. And, and, and he says, all I need is good soil. And we all know this to be, in 2016, people have named it different things. I mean, I don't know anything about karma. I mean, I know what karma is. You reap what you sow, right? It's a biblical principle that now the, the world has made. It's their own. But how many of y'all know it's absolutely 100% true according to scriptures? He says, you plant, you reap, right? You sow, you harvest. There's old, you know, the, China, the Asians people, they have their own like the yin and yang. Or there's a Chinese proverb that says, a man who plants a melon gets melons. A man who plants beans gets beans. Not much of a proverb, is it? It's pretty much common sense, right? You plant, you harvest, and, and if you don't plant, you don't harvest. And what you do plant is actually what you harvest. So your life is a field, and you're constantly planting, and you're constantly harvesting. And your life is a direct result of what you planted. In other words, not everything is chance. I mean, I know it's so easy to believe in fate, believe in chance, or this is my destiny. Well, according to this, not everything is destiny. So much of our life is a result of what we planted, the seeds that, that we planted, what we put in, the, what we allowed to get in the soil of our heart, right? And I'll read you here in just a second. The Bible says, listen, if you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap of the flesh, right? If you sow to the Spirit, you're going to reap of the Spirit. Let's say it like this. Most of us eat three hot meals a day and some snacks in between. Thank you. <laughs> and most of us yet feed our spirit one cold snack a week. If you go to church here, it's not cold and it's not a snack. Because we work really hard for the Word of God to have free course, prepare your heart. But most people, they feed their spirit one cold snack a week. And then they wonder, but is there really any wonder? No, because if you understand this principle, you understand all the kingdom of the principle. What you invest in, what you sow in, what you plant in, you're going to directly get a result of it. Galatians, Paul, this is our fourth character in the story this morning. We got eight, Adam, he's pretty important. Noah's pretty important. Jesus, he's the Messiah. And now we're going to talk about Paul, the Apostle Paul, the second greatest person to ever be on this planet. He says in Galatians chapter 6, verse number 7 and 8, he says, Don't be misled. No one makes a fool of God. What's he saying? Don't blame God. It's not God's fault. He says, what a person plants, he will what? You're going to harvest it, baby. Don't, don't ask God, well, I don't understand what does that to me. Not everything's fate and chance. And I'm not saying that everything is, is a direct result of this, but apparently there is a lot of it that has to do with it. He goes on, he says, the person that plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others and ignoring God, will harvest a crop of weeds. All he'll have to show for his life is weeds. But the one who plants in response to God or allows his way. Jesus said, I want to plant my way in the soil of your heart. And if you'll let it, it'll produce 30, 60, 100 fold. 
I want to I plant my plan. I want to put my purpose in your heart. If you'll love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength, he says, it'll be well with you. If you'll acknowledge me in all your ways, if you'll lean not in your own understanding, you'll trust me, acknowledge me, I'll direct all of your paths. One cold snack a week is different than three hot meals a day. So he says, the one who plants in response to God, letting God's spirit do a growth work in him, will harvest a crop of real life, eternal life. So that just means everything's not up to chance. I put in your worship guide, there's a quote from a lady named Lillian B. Yeomans. It's a great quote. And, and she says, God has tied himself irrevocably to human cooperation in the execution of his divine purposes. So no doubt there are some things that are unforeseen circumstances. And maybe, maybe sometimes you're, you're reaping a harvest that somebody else planted. And sometimes that's negative and sometimes it's positive. I'm reaping the prayers of my parents in a lot of respects. I know that. Right. And sometimes we also we reap the sins of our parents. Right. But thank God he can he can break some of that stuff open. You don't have to. You don't have to do that. Why? Because you get born again and now you got a new daddy. Come on, somebody. Uh, that's a whole nother message. But but uh, and I've only got, you know, 10 more minutes. So I want to talk about a seed. And uh, uh, the first thing I want you to know, if you got your worship guide, you can write it. Is seeds are powerful. The word of God's powerful. His way is powerful. Uh, what you sow in into your kid's life is powerful. What you sow into your marriage is powerful. What you invest in, there is a harvest. Seeds are powerful. Right after Jesus talks about, this is a very important thing. I'm trying to get you to understand. The, the very, if you skip down just a couple of verses in the same chapter of Mark, he says this in verse number 30. He said, how shall we picture the kingdom of God. What a broad statement. How many of y'all know the kingdom of God is expansive? It covers eons of time, galaxies of space. God's all-knowing, all-present, all-powerful, all at the same time. And he says, how can we liken, how can we picture, how can, how can I relate to you what God's kingdom is like? He says, what parable can I use to explain it? And for you to understand it and, and illustrate it, he says, it's like what? It's like a mustard seed. All of the expanse of God, he says, it'll fit. It's like the size of the head of a pin. It's like a mustard seed. And watch what he says with that mustard seed does. He says, he says, a mustard seed, he says, when it's sown in ground, even though it's smaller than all other seeds, it seems insignificant. I mean, I know people thought Jesus was very insignificant. The Bible says Jesus could do no mighty works in his own hometown because they saw him just as a carpenter. He was very insignificant. But how many of y'all know whenever he was planted into the heart of the earth, he took away the keys to death, hell, and the grave, and he purchased your eternal redemption. And one seed was buried, one person was buried, so that multitudes of sons could come into the knowledge of God. Why? Because God took his son as a seed, planted it in the earth to redeem what was corruptible, and he made it incorruptible. So he says the mustard seed is so insignificant. Sometimes you think going to church is real insignificant. Read your Bible. It doesn't seem insignificant. It seems like it's not really doing anything for me, and it's not really working. And, and what that is is, is that's, that's something coming to steal that word. 
and keep it on the wayside. Because if you get it on the inside, then it will produce. But how many of y'all know sometimes seeds take a long time to produce? You know, the, the Chinese bamboo, right? You plant it, you water it the first year, nothing happens. You plant it, you water it the second year, nothing happens. You plant it, or not plant it. You water it the third year, nothing happens. You water it the fourth year, nothing happens. You water it the fifth year. And at the fifth year, it grows like 90 feet in one year. But for five years, you think it's dormant. It's not dormant. It's in there. It's working. You just can't keep digging it up, right? You have to stay you, 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 have to, you have to stay in there, right? It makes its roots so that whenever it shoots up, it won't fall over. Because if it shot up the first year, it would fall over because it didn't have the roots. So sometimes we're just developing our roots is all, is all that we're developing here. I, I got to go on because he says, he says, even though it's smaller than all other seeds, when it is sown, it grows and it becomes larger than all the other garden herbs. He basically says, if you'll plant this, if you'll allow me to do the work in you that I want to do, It'll take over your life. And the things that you struggle with, you won't struggle with anymore. The addictions will no longer be addictions because now something has outgrown the other facets of your life. It's more powerful than all those. And he says, then the birds of the sky are able to make nest and live in its shade. I mean, I like shade. Oh, Jesus. Me and my, me and my wife... I had to go to a golf tournament with Mo Noble, my little boy, and they said you you can't ride off of the golf uh, the the golf path, and I was like whatever, we're gonna go find shade, so we just rode from shadow of the tree to shadow of the tree, and they all looked at us, and I was like I don't care, dude, I'm not cooking out here, we're shade right the shade, so so there becomes things become things are just better in the shade, we don't always see that seeds are powerful, also seeds are valuable. Many third world countries, seeds are their livelihood. We don't see it that much because if we want, if I, if we want peas, we just go buy peas. But there's a, there's, in Psalms chapter 126, it says they weep as they go to plant their seed. Why? Well, because they're having to take something that they see now. They're having to invest now into something that they can't see. Right, I'm, I'm going to church now. Or I'm reading my Bible now. I don't. I may not see all the results of it. I, I, yeah, I, I don't have time for that. La, 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 la. Excuse, excuse, excuse. But he says, he says they weep as they plant their seed, as they invest. He says, but they sing, as they return with the harvest. Seeds are valuable. The last thing is, is that seeds are not the last, but of this portion is seeds. They're unbiased. No, that's a, a weird, weird way to say it. Or you could say that they're uncomplicated. In other words, the seed don't care if you're white. Seed don't care if you're black. Seed don't care if you come from the right side of the track or the wrong side of the track. Jesus leveled the playing field. God leveled the playing field when he introduced the seed. Because he says it'll work for cowboys and it'll work for Indians. It'll work for any person, any place, any time. It worked in the garden thousands of years ago, and it'll work thousands of years from now. Every person on the planet should be able to understand that seeds don't care. I could have on a now later suit and wingtips and go out there and take a seed. Where's my seed? Did I drop it again? There it is. See, this, this is my avocado I ate this yesterday, and it was good. Uh... 
This thing don't care. Listen, if I go put it in the ground, or if Scott goes and puts it in the ground, or, or if Brandon goes and puts it in the ground, or, or if Brent goes and puts it in the ground, you know, the seed don't care. All the seed needs is good soil. It responds to the soil. So it doesn't matter your, your DNA or your history or where you came from. It doesn't matter if you had a good upbringing or a bad upbringing. God said, listen, the kingdom of God is like a tiny mustard seed. And if you'll let my plan, my purpose, if you'll cultivate the right soil, it don't matter. The seed doesn't care. It's totally unbiased. All it needs is good soil, soil free of weeds and soil that has, that has some depth to it. it it's, all it needs is that. Seeds don't care. So there's, there's and I've got to wrap this up. There's a couple things that, that I want to read to you in Luke chapter 6. This is Jesus continuing to talk here. Chapter 6, he says, do not judge and you will not be what? Judged. He says, do not condemn and you will not be what? Condemned. So in other words, if you judge, you're going to receive judgment, right? You plant avocados, you're going to get avocados. You plant condemnation, and you're going to get condemnation. He says, forgive, and you will be what? Another passage of Scripture, Jesus actually said, he says, I cannot forgive your sins if you don't forgive your brother. He says, your prayers aren't even leaving the room because I'm bound, I'm a just God. And, and he says, how can you say that you love me and you can't see me? But you hate your brother who you can see. That doesn't work in my kingdom. And if you understood the seed, you would understand the whole kingdom revolves this way. He says, give and it shall be given unto you. You always receive more than you. So watch this. He says, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. In other words, he says, you're actually going to receive more than you plant. There's a thousand avocados that live in this one seed. Right? So you always reap what you sow. And you always reap more than you sow. He goes on and he says, for the, with the measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. If you skip down to verse 43, again, we see that the seed doesn't get confused. He says, a good tree bears bad fruit. And he says, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its fruit. People don't pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in the soil of his heart. you got good soil. It's going to bring good stuff. You put my, my plans, my purpose, my seed in a good condition. He says there'll be 30, there'll be 60, there'll be 100 fold. You always reap what you sow. You always reap more than you sow. And you always reap where you sow. In other words, I'm not going to reap from Brandon's garden. Unless I ask permission. And I'm like, hey, can I have some peas? And then if he grants me permission. But for, listen, for the most part, we plant in our field, we reap in our field. Right? If I want my marriage to be great, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sow into my marriage. Right? If I want my spouse to be awesome, I'm going to sow into, into my spouse. Right? If I want my kids to be amazing, I'm going to have to invest in my kids. This is not rocket science. He says, don't be fooled and don't blame God if your kids turn out not the best. And although there are people, there is free will and there are circumstances where the Bible says, choose you this day whom you shall serve. Choose blessing, cursing, life, death. There is an age of accountability where your kids are going to have to make a choice. But there's a lot of things that aren't just up to chance and they aren't just up to God that if we'll 
plant the right seeds and have the right heart, then there'll be, there'll be a fruit there. There's, there's a book called His Needs, Her Needs. How many of you ever read that book before? How many of you ever heard of that book? And it's a marriage book, and it's just about basically the husband has a bank account and the wife has a bank account. And if I want to make withdrawals from little misses right there, I have to make some deposits, right? I mean, I have to be emotionally there for and financially there for and give her security and love and patience and kindness. And if I keep her, yeah, if I keep her account real full, if I'm planting those things in her, right? If, I, if, I'm, if, if, if I'm investing in her, then I should be able to make withdrawals, right? But there's a lot of times we're wanting to try to withdraw from an account that doesn't have, we're trying to harvest from a place that seeds haven't been planted. Last verse I'll give you. Very similar. This is just can, more about kind of moms and dads, boys and girls. He says, Proverbs chapter 12. He says, a wife of noble character is her husband's crown. But a disgraceful wife is like decay to his bones. In other words, there's some wives who are just like, oh my God, you're sucking the life out of me. Leave me alone. I can't tell I'm going bowling. <laughs> you just... You're just sucking the life out of the bones is what the Bible says here. It's scriptural. Right? But, but but the part that we miss a lot of times, it says, yeah, but the wife is the crown of her husband. We don't know a lot about crowns in America. So we don't have a monarchy. But if the king of England, he has a crown, he protects that crown. He honors that crown. He understands what that crown represents. He, he holds that crown crown with responsibility there's a team of men hired to polish the crown and support the crown and protect the crown so basically the scripture says listen if if you'll see your wife as a crown then she'll be awesome and she'll be amazing and she won't be a disgrace to you so there's this constant whether it's your kids or your business or your home of course we're about to watch the olympics and you know everybody says oh michael phelps he's amazing he's amazing yeah but he gets up at like three o'clock in the morning he's been doing that since he was like six Going to the pool while everybody else is sleeping. He's in the pool. After school, he's not watching Scooby-Doo like I did. He's in the pool. So, yo, he's double-jointed. So am I, but I can't do what he does because I didn't plant the seeds that he planted. God says, listen, if you'll understand this principle, then you can understand the whole kingdom of God. Not everything is chance. So much, of, we, we blame God for so many things. That he gave us. The co-creator told Adam and Eve. He says you be fruitful. You multiply. I'm not creating the human race. I'm putting the power of the seed. In you. I'm giving it to you in plant form. And I'm giving it to you in your body. And most of the times we get that one right. We're like hey. Get over here pretty lady. Right. We understand that. That he says. The whole kingdom. He says I'm giving you the ability to co-create with me. And Jesus is saying the same thing. He says, listen, I've given you my word. I've given you my spirit. I've given you my blood. I've given you my name that's above every name. I've given you the blood of Jesus that gives you access into my courts. You can come boldly to the throne of grace and obtain help in the time of need. I've given you the sword of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit. I've given you all of these things, not just so you can say, it's God's fault. No, he says, my plans, my purpose, they're small. They seem insignificant. But if you'll let me, I'll plant them in your heart. And out of your heart comes this art of the spiritual green thumb, right? Art 
of gardening to where you just say, not everything is toil. If I'll do my part, he'll do his part. There's another passage. I wish I could read it. He says, whenever you plant seeds, you go to bed and you get up. You go to bed and you get up. You go to bed and you get up. And yet you get up one day and there's a blade. Then there's a, then there's a, he says, a fruit. And then there's the harvest. So it's not, the reason there's a flow to it is because it, it's not supposed to be hard. It's supposed to be good ground, good seed, and results. Whenever I had my garden in my yard, I didn't have to go out there and talk to the plant. Plant, it did what the plant was created to do. Music